0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff, too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Daily. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We only had one last week, you've probably noticed. Mm -hmm. And there have been so many of you writing in, I have realized... We could do one podcast every day and still not cover everybody's car debate questions. I am That's a floored good point. You're right. You're right. by the amount yeah, of yeah, questions. Yeah. It's just piling in. So please forgive us if we don't get to your questions. I'm having a great time reading everything and looking through mm-hmm. all the variety mm-hmm. of stuff. And speaking of which, we've got a great variety for you for this one. And we, by the way, we're back with two podcasts this week before we go on our Germany pilgrimage adventure. But we do have Josh in Chicago He is a dad. He's a family guy. And he's got cars and uh, looking for a third one, as a matter of fact. So he's got the budget. He's got the approval. Looking for the third. Park it outside. (laughs) Get ready for that. So, Josh, we've got suggestions for you there. And then something interesting came across our email here from Yarno in Johannesburg, South Africa, Or Joburg, uh, as I understand a lot of our British counterparts' vacation in South Africa. I've met so many people, and they're on the train and Mm. headed to the airport to go on vacation in Johannesburg and around that. I'd Hmm. love to go. It'd be fascinating, I think. And uh, he is petrol head supreme, has been configuring Hellcats on the Dodge Charger USA (laughs) website endlessly and looking for something to replace his 86, his Toyota 6. Uh, just like uh, just yeah. like you've got. So he's looking for yep, that.
0: Essentially, he's looking for an upgrade for that and stuff and, and then kind of lusting after all the stuff they don't get there, a la the Hellcat. So interesting to kind of chase that one down. He's got some quite a few requirements for that car as we step out of the GT86. I'm curious to see where we wind up on that one.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, as I said, uh, we were only down to one podcast due to some travel last week. As a matter of fact, I was in Munich for a short trip in mm-hmm. uh, a city outside the, the central area in Munich called Aying, and came home on Oktoberfest. So, the day that everybody was just getting into the, the massive beer drinking thing. But,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going back in a week. <laughs> just back just for more week. fun. You're going to turn right back around and go back to Gosh, Germany.
1: Forgive me for the jet lag.
0: But this time you're going to drive. I mean, we've been talking uh, forever about this pilgrimage trip. It's almost upon us. There'll be one more podcast between here and there. We are going to try to do two podcasts next week while we are in Germany. Well, I I must clarify, while we're in Belgium and then Germany driving the spa and the ring. (laughs) So we're going to try to get uh, two podcasts done in the middle of that. This week is also the M2 versus GTS piece. And all of our final European travel uh, stuff. So we are just this side of buried, uh, but we're <laughs> enjoying that we can be with you guys as always. You know, you brought up the, the GT86 that we're going to talk about uh, for for Yarno coming up here. But uh, um, you know, you actually mentioned you found earlier today that the discussion of the Toyota GT86 in Europe is getting a new track mode. I mean, essentially they're working that car toward the options you've had on the Subaru where you get two you know the, the great thing about the GT86 is it's always had the lesser interior and the nicer interior just like the Subaru's had here whereas the FRS has always been bare bones unless you got like the monogram edition
1: yeah right uh, and right. then
0: but now it's it's track mode which is essentially a better defined traction control system as at least as i read it and an ability to turn it all the way off hey that's a novel idea
1: <laughs> well the wheels are nice i'll say that they look good
0: well <laughs> The wheels are trying to make up for the fact that the (laughs) front styling got worse. I mean, the wheels were always the the part of the car that I felt like were the least attractive part. But the front styling on the Scion I've always kind of liked. I never thought it was perfect, but I've always kind of liked it. Now the front styling feels like it's gotten worse, but the wheels have gotten better. I mean, what... (laughs) Uh, m- must we <laughs> and and i also have to say this the little side piece on the quarter panel that on the the FRS here and actually the GT86 originally had the uh, the boxer engine GT86 or 86 logo which i think is a really cool logo i've always liked that better than that little i don't know uh blade that is part of the subaru styling but yet they've brought the blade to the Toyota, I was like, "Wait,
1: right, <sighs> right." I the, yeah. the
0: the details on this car are going the wrong way, which is too bad.
1: Toyota's clearly whistling past the graveyard because all they had to do was add more power. They've done everything else we could possibly think of: wings and change this and update that little piece, <laughs> and they're ignoring the big <laughs> elephant in the room. They're just ignoring yeah. it. So. Does that mean the demise of this car? How many more iterations and variations can we do with only 197 horsepower? I,
0: well, I think everybody you, you bring would bring up buy it if they – You bring up did. an interesting point. I, I, I But a part of me almost feels like there are people that are just laughing about this now. Wait, you know what we could do? Well, don't touch the power. No, no, no. I'm not going to touch the power. <laughs> yeah. That's the joke. You know what we could do, though? Avoid, we could just, avoid. Just, just see if we could – I don't know. But I – it, it remains even if they if even if they up the power, which of course is probably going to up the price five grand. Let's be honest. But even if they up the power, it will remain a niche car, and there will only be a certain number of people that will buy it, and then they will stop. Yeah. So I just I think it remains the tuner car. But I also wonder in the current market how long this even survives. I'm a little surprised. I'm pleased, mind you, but I'm a little surprised that it's getting as many updates as it is. I kind of expected them to let this first gen run its course, and they will be like, "All right, we tried that. It didn't work like we hoped. So bye bye." I'm glad that there's refining. I'm waiting for the like the second gen. I'd like to see a second gen of it, though. I'm not holding my breath that that's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is this is still like 1.15 generation. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just come on, guys. Just you change the badge. You get rid of Scion. We've added mm-hmm. the styling and the new wheels and the interior is different and. Uh, just avoiding everything but the obvious so (laughs) what can we do what can we do
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I wanted to also mention we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about the fact that you know obviously we're doing. I, I, in case you haven't heard, we're going on our pilgrimage trip next week. For those of you that have not paid attention for the last I don't know eight months, we've talked about it. But <laughs> right. but at the end of that trip, we've added a new thing, and that is Friday, September thirtieth. Everybody that's going on the adventure with us, those guys will be exhausted at that point and back on planes headed to their various homes. We will have that evening, Friday the thirtieth, available in Frankfurt. There's a few of you already that have responded. Thank you. We are going to get together with those of you that. Would like to come to the Frankfurt area, or are in the Frankfurt area? We're kind of zeroing in on. We're going to keep saying it wrong. I believe it's this classicstad. It's essentially a, a re, remade, repurposed old warehouse space that is now about cars and car museum and uh, classic car shops and all kinds of things. We're going to probably meet up there. You'll probably be able to track us on Twitter. That's probably the best way for us to keep you updated as to where we are geographically in Frankfurt on that day. But there's a few of you plan to meet us. Thank you. We're looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be uh, yeah. If you can make it, it's going to be great to meet you and hang out. Uh, Keem has expressed interest, and we're looking forward to seeing you there. And uh, that should be great. So again, Friday, September 30th, 2016, and we are going to be exhausted and probably coming at you with lots of stories. So uh, it, it should be. I hope so. Should be pretty good, and hopefully all well, good yeah. stories. Let's put it that way. All good yeah.
0: stories. Exactly, exactly. Nobody's limping. No cars yeah. were damaged in yeah. the making of this film, so exactly. to speak. Exactly. And I think Charlie's coming too. So we've got a few people that have signed up, or not signed up, but a few people that have written to us and said, "Hey, I'm coming." And and the only thing I noted, we were just talking about this yesterday, in fact, that the best way we know to keep you updated of our status will be Twitter. So if you're not already following us on Twitter and you're thinking about coming, be sure you sign up just because we'll be saying, hey, we're at this place in Frankfurt. I think that's probably the most simple way to keep everybody updated, so keep that in mind. And we are doing it, believe it or not. And then, of course, (laughs) I I, I was going to say, a week from now we'll stop talking about the pilgrimage trip, but... No, we won't, because then we'll be talking about how much fun we had. I thought for a second I was going to spare all of you, and then I realized, sure. no, I can't do that either.
1: This is just all the preamble. All the stuff we've been talking about is the preamble mm-hmm. to the, mm-hmm. hey, you should have been there. But rest assured, we're hoping to do this trip again. Many of you have expressed interest in going, but couldn't swing it this time around. But yeah, we're yeah, also yeah. talking about different locations, too. So,
0: yeah, this just is not, teasing won't you. be the only place.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I am. Definitely teasing you, but uh, we'll uh, it make some announcements probably later in the year because they will require long lead times and certainly mm-hmm, calendar mm-hmm. and schedule clearing to get ready for them, saving your pennies to go because they're, the stuff we're talking well, about, you're going to want to go on. I pretty much guarantee it.
0: A- it's other trips in this vein. I mean, we're wanting to get you the opportunity to get on some racetracks. And if it's, you know, domestic adventures like we did in Chicago, it'll be a bring-your-own-car thing. But if it's overseas adventures, it will be cars provided. We want to get you, you know, road time be nice, but we'd rather get you on racetracks and have you not only experience these racetracks in Europe but also push cars. So that's definitely where we're headed. We do suspect we'll do the pilgrimage trip again. The reason we aren't talking about it definitively is we're not sure of the time frame yet. But then, of course, we also want to add these others. Yeah, we keep, I mean, because we don't have enough to do, we keep talking about this behind the scenes. You guys have no idea how much. And uh, (laughs) we got a lot going on. But there'll be more to share soon. Uh, Let's do a car debate, though. Let's talk about Josh in Chicago. Uh, Josh, I don't think we met you at the Chicago Track Day. Next time, we'd love to see you. We hope to be back there next summer. But uh, you're looking for a third car, which, hey, awesome. Let's solve that problem. You have an 05 Lexus IS300. And if you don't remember, that is that that first-gen IS that if you get it with a six-speed and ha- you can get it with a nice inline-six, it was actually kind of a hidden performance car, hidden enthusiast car in the Lexus lineup. Mm-hmm. So you have that. You love it. You're hanging on to it. So that car kind of oddly is becoming a project car for you. I say that because it's already been the daily driver. So it's not like this is a car you bought to be a project, but you've just gone, all right, let's put that in the garage. Let's start t- tinkering with it and make it into it sounds like something else. I'm wondering where you're headed on that. So that exists. And uh, you also have a Honda HRV. So those are the two kind of real life cars that are not going anywhere. And you're looking for the third car that is the, the do stuff car. The Chicago winter driving isn't necessarily the track car.
1: Josh, I love the fact that you're going to keep the Lexus as a project car and as maybe the first car for your son when he grows up and I mean right now they're just kids so you're going to have that thing for a while and clearly you yeah. really like it.
0: Yeah. So this yeah, is seriously. not
1: this is not getting rid of the Lexus. It's a mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to drive it just very little and how cool is that? You know, you'll have dad's mm-hmm. car, you know, when when your son grows yeah. up, he'll have dad's car to you know, go have his Friends, it's a cool idea. Trash. Anyway, I won't go down that road. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to do that to you right now, Josh. We'll park it for now and keep it pristine. And then when that time comes, you can make the decision. Yeah. But uh, here we go. The the budget is 12 grand. So 12 grand and under. Mm -hmm. And I promise, well, sort of promise to keep in that range. I was
0: going to say, are you really going to promise to do that? Because I would be quite impressed.
1: Promise ish, kind of, mostly. But. Yeah, the budget is not huge, but there are some choices in the categories that you've defined for us here. So mileage, Mm -hmm. the number of doors, the seats, the brand, transmission, dry wheels, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like bullet points. Josh has gone through each kind of bullet here for what he's really leaning towards. And then he tells us that the cars that he's already shopping are the Focus ST, I believe, Volvo C30 course various Mm -hmm. volkswagen gtis and of course the standby wrx's
0: which is Mm -hmm. good
1: good choices none of which are mine because i thought if you're already shopping those (laughs) great keep keep doing that so you know i don't need to reiterate what you're already thinking you might find something you like but i do have three for you that will fit in this budget that could be Still fun, but still gonna be usable as your family grows and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just gonna be better from a maintenance and you know, I think your focus is probably gonna be mostly on your family. So
0: that's totally fine. Well that's a there there's a lot of interesting key things here. I mean, a couple of things that I like are you, you want it to be at least a two plus two. So traditional coupes are out. And uh, you, you, but you want it to be reliable. I mean, we're talking twelve grand on the high end, but you need to buy a car that that will just run, and mm-hmm. it's going to sit outside in the winter while the other two cars, the Honda HRV and the and the the Lexus that's staying, are in the nice warm garage. This car sits outside. So it's got to be reliable. It's got to sit outside. You'd like it to be manual. You've never owned a manual, so you'd like to get good at it. So you figure, let's make this car manual, which is a nice twist here. Uh, you're not worried about drive wheels. Uh, you really would like it to be something that handles well. I love this description, by the way. You ma- made a comment where you said, I like my steering wheel more than my gas pedal. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very, very good. Right. So I, that does inform things. And I, I, I would actually say to you you said, you, you said Focus SVT, actually, the Volvo C30. I would say drive both those cars if you haven't. The, that Volvo, I always really liked. In fact, I remember early on in the years of the show, I helped a friend of mine get a Vol- one of those Volvo C30s. And they are an oddball choice, but they're cool little cars. So I would definitely say drive one if you haven't. I have three as well, jumping off of his ideas. But I very much stayed in a let's get you something that is kind of the hidden enthusiast car. This budget is restrictive but Hidden Enthusiast Car that I think will also run. And I did try to chase manuals. So um, yeah, uh, where did you go?
1: Yeah, I did too. It doesn't sound like Josh is going to be really doing much track time with it, which is fun. It's just got to be fun to drive mm-hmm. and enjoyable and something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrape the snow off. You've got winter tires on it. And uh, yeah, hopefully it starts. Mm-hmm. No, just kidding. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, seriously. I uh, I definitely take in, uh, in consideration your reliability and the, the question that you have and the mantra about it's got to be reliable, not like <clears throat> late 90s Audis that Todd has had experience <laughs> with. Uh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So I went down the road of Honda, and I started looking at Accord EX Coupes from mm, 2012. Okay. These were the ones I were finding were thirteen thousand, but I know you can find them in the twelve five. Again,
0: sure, if sure, you sure. say
1: twelve thousand, I'm going to go up to twelve thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> ninety nine cents because and
0: assume you can talk people down. Exactly, yep. a thirteen yep.
1: thousand dollar car. You know they're probably going to take twelve five, so that makes it a twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollar car in my mind. So I thought, <laughs> all right, we've we've driven that car it's and was Paul in- math. <laughs> it's, it's Paul <laughs> math. There you go. I love that. I like it. There we go. We've driven this car. Keep going. And we thought it was a discovery. And especially it is for this price point. Because, again, it's not something we always gravitate to- towards, but mm-hmm. Accords mm-hmm. in general have improved dramatically over the years. And the Coupe in particular, get that as a six speed manual. And there's, some, there's something mm-hmm. down deep in this car. You got to go work for it. Yeah. Tires are yeah. crucial. Tires are crucial on this car, and they will yeah, change very much the so. personality on any of these cars. But there's something to that car, and I think that could be something enjoyable. Agreed. It could be something... Agreed. It's a good one. You know, still just, okay, I can do whatever I need to do with the family, but you can go find your favorite road with that car. As mm-hmm. you can with a 128i Coupe. I found a 2011 BMW mm. 128i. We have recommended the 135i, but I don't think those are 12 grand. I didn't verify that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're 12 grand. I think they're more like 18 to 20.
0: I mean, and the 128. You hopefully you're going to have to get the sport pack on that, and and try to find one that is specked out more as an enthusiast car than a. I bought a base BMW because that one you're not going to like. I don't know about the reliability of those. Somebody else have to speak to it, but. You might get into a reliability problem there, but I love that you found that because that is—that's a consideration I hadn't thought of. I'd thought about the the Accord Coupe, and that's a fantastic one. But that mm-hmm. 128i is intriguing too, for sure. For sure. I thought
1: uh, I thought about that car, and I've been finding a lot of them with about sixty thousand miles on them. So that means they're mm. not—you mm. know—they're not beat on. They're probably just driven, and whoever owned it yeah. just thought, "Hey, enjoyed it. want something else. Maybe they need a bigger car." but for you it might be a perfect fit. So,
0: sure. That's why sure, I suggested yeah. that. And then okay. finally, my I, third I here that.
1: in the reliability category is Hyundai with the Genesis Coupe. Of course, you probably oh, saw that coming yeah. with the 2 liter turbo. I mean, 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I found one with 7,000 miles on it or something like that. I mean, that's practically a brand new car for mm. 12 in that range.
0: So, yeah, I like that Genesis coupe idea. That's a really strong one. I I didn't see that at all. I didn't even go there. But are that's you completely different? I really like that. Yeah, I'm completely different. I, I didn't really? go for any of those. I, I, the Honda is a great recommendation. I think that is a total stealth enthusiast car. People don't expect that car to be. I, I didn't. It's I know a good way of putting it. it.
1: It's stealth. Don't, it's, don't expect that yeah. car
0: to be as as good an enthusiast driving car as it is. With a six-speed, that's a great car. If you, yeah, tires are vital if you watch our review on that. but And that Genesis Coupe is a really good one. In fact, if you go far enough back, you might even be able to get the 3.8-liter the V6 in that. I think it's a 3.8. Anyway, it's a V. It's their V6 in that. And that yeah, might even right. be more more worthwhile if you might have to go first-gen. But that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that at all. I actually stayed with sedans. Because, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, because I realized he's coming out of that Lexus. And he's enjoyed that Lexus. I'm looking at this car as, you know, it's the, it's the do-it-all car. And I, so I thought, all right, I'm going to stay sedan world. I just resonated with that. But let's get you a sedan that you enjoy driving. And I did come up with three. And I'm going to say to you, if you have 12 grand, and this is going to seem obvious once I start walking down this road, but if you have 12 grand and you're shopping for a WRX, I'm worried about the WRX you find for that money. However, I have to say it, Saab 92X with money left over. Mm. You're going to find one. I mean, Mm. you'll probably find one of those in in a good shape one, the Arrow, you know, with the five-speed manual and the it's a WRX in a sob suit. It's a better-looking WRX wagon. Uh, You could probably find a good one of those for about ten grand with some money left over, and now and that's probably, frankly, this is the weird thing about those cars, since they nobody really knows about them, and everybody seems to shop WRXs. Those sobs typically are a few thousand dollars less for the same year, same mileage WRX. That's so, so. I would crazy. say if you're looking, it is <laughs> so weird. Crazy. It is weird. I mean, I think I think unless you're listening to this podcast, you don't even know about that. But there you go. Just don't so ding um, a body panel
1: because that's where it'll get you because it is well, so rare. Yeah, it's not the exactly. proliferation the, of Subaru. Everything. Just don't ding anything true. on it. Just true. Be cool. When
0: I had one, when I had one, my Insure my insurer company was actually surprised the agent was surprised that they were a little bit more expensive to insure than a WRX. And here we are in Utah, which is practically sponsored by Subaru, and she actually called and asked around. And I, I knew before she told me, but she called and asked. She was like, yeah, I found out these cars aren't very common, and so the body panels are hard to get, so we've got to charge you a little bit higher rate. And she was all apologetic, and I said, oh, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but but cheap cheap to own and run because you walk in and go, hi, I have a WRX from this year, and they hand you a part. So I would say if you're looking for a WRX exactly. cross shop with the Saab 92 x and look at that seriously that is a fun car to drive does everything you need otherwise though two traditional sedans one the subaru legacy that early mid mid mid-2000s subaru legacy that car's just going to run you might be able to find a uh, you might be able to find one of the the spec b's if you can for your money that's a great enthusiast car actually so i would say shop for one of those i mean what we're talking about if you can't envision it this is subaru's camry competitor from that era but far more interesting than the Camry and far better to drive. And then the Spec B is the more enthusiast version of that. So depending upon what you can find price-wise, I say look at the Subaru Legacy and then I have to go there. Acura TL, the early gen, the 03 to 08. Oh, good one. It's six sort speed of like manual. the competitor
1: to his IS. It's,
0: yes, absolutely. It's sort it's six of 6-speed six manual. Of that. Huh. Cool. You'd thoroughly enjoy that in manual transmission. They are good looking. They are yes, they're front wheel drive. Uh, that's the that's the only one that's not all wheel drive of my three. But you know what? That's actually one of my favorite front wheel drive setup sedans from that area at that, that era of cars it really is great so i would say look at that Acura tl you can find them all day long for your price some of them are pretty high mileage but it's an accord underneath i mean it's it's a reliable honda with an i6 speed and so the i think those are my three far better <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, better. yeah and and they just they're they're cool cars they're good to drive everyone i knew that had one loved it so those are my three for you josh
1: i think if you buy cereal in maine utah colorado and Maybe a handful of other states They come with, like, the prize at the bottom of the box is Subaru parts. You might get a body panel. You might get a steering rack. Hey, look, Subaru parts. There's so many, they just give them away. Hey, welcome Uh to Utah. Here's your free Subaru. Not quite, mm-hmm. but yeah, I take your point. And uh, if it's good if it's an
0: 05 WRX, it's pr- it, it, you might get actually the power steering pump because that is the most likely to fail part well, on those 05, true. 06 WRXs. So you just oh look, thank thankfully I just I got I gotta buy this new box of whatever because I need a new power steering pump.
1: Anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No good recommendations. I like that you went totally sedans, and I'm over here in Coopland, wherever that is. Mm-hmm. But we just, uh, yeah, it was just a different take on the same question. But I mean, any of you listening for about that budget, twelve grand, these are just solid cars, and they have a level of fun that is surprising. You got to go dig for it. True. It's not, yeah, very you true. You know, the fun cars that we talk about constantly. It's not those cars. But well, they're not. There the is obvious a choices,
0: but. Mm-hmm. They're not the obvious choices of just, oh, that must be a fun enthusiast car. But the great thing about all of the things we're talking about is, with the possible exception of the Genesis Coupe, I mean, that looks like an enthusiast sports car. But the rest of them, you kind of don't know how good they are until you drive them, and that's Mm -hmm. what's cool about
1: it. Yeah. Well, Josh, hope this helps. Uh, Yeah, tires, I think you know that already. But uh, please let us know. I'm curious to know what you land on, and hopefully that helps your – your fun quotient and i think you'll be Mm -hmm. the only one with a pristine lexus is from that era i mean roll that (laughs) thing out of the garage in another 20 years or so and wow yeah you know those are
0: cool cars they're they're very (laughs) very cool cars so i I look forward to hearing how that unfolds uh we should move on to yarno in uh, johannesburg south africa which is really cool thank you for writing us from down there and for listening and you said that that, uh, we keep you company on your commute thrilled to hear that, honestly. And I have to jump forward a little bit. You said you've got an FJ Cruiser, you've got an 86, but then there's this passing comment that I love, because it's one of those things that when you hear it out of context, you just go, what now? The comment of, I'm heading into the Kalahari Desert over for a self-sustaining two-week car trip over Christmas. (laughs) And I have a moment where I go, you're doing what now? So um, yeah, that actually sounds amazing. (laughs) And of course, because you're... Because you're the Southern Hemisphere, it's the middle of your summertime. So right. of course you are, which just sounds awesome. So you have this FJ that it sounds like you actually use. I mean, you genuinely, come on, a two-week trip to the Kalahari Desert, that's awesome. And you have the other end of the spectrum. It's it's we joke about, you know, the right tool for the job. You have uh, a 2015 uh, GT86, and you really like it, but also we, <laughs> we're passing the disease on. The disease, is, the disease is rampant for those of you listening. Uh, you've decided it's time to move on to what's next with the 86. Really like it, but looking for what's next.
1: I think that's cool. I I think that's perfectly fine. You've enjoyed it. Yeah, time to Mm -hmm. move on. And, you know, we could play the grass is greener game, Yarno, because we don't have that kind of desert adventure here in the States. I mean, I suppose we could, you know, find Eastern California or Nevada, Moab, Bonneville, those kinds of places. But that just seems so cool and different. And what an adventure. So, have a great time doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I was in, I was intrigued to find to find more information about the car market in South Africa, and note mm, that mm. not everybody sells cars. As you mentioned, only Ford sells the Mustang along with some other smaller cars. But generally speaking, it's small cars with small engines, so it's hard to find you know things like the Hellcat and big heavy you know rumbling V8 kinds of cars. So sure, what you're yeah. looking for is to move on from that, but it's got to be new. What I'm getting from you here is I'm looking for yep. a new car, yep, and doing some conversions with the South African rand. It's got to be at a price point of a BMW M2, somewhere in there, or less, yeah, or yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. Yes, if we can, and I'm I'm hoping I can come less here actually, for the first time Look ever. At you. Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> Here's the requirements from Yarno. It's got to be his daily driver. So this is, you know, mm-hmm. keeping the FJ for the Kalahari Desert Adventures.
0: Because, well, <laughs> but, but hang on a second. Because, you know, honestly, if you're looking at your two-car garage and you're thinking, I'm going to go on a Kalahari Desert trip, you don't think, let's take the GT86. So clearly the FJ Cruiser has to stay.
1: <laughs> Very true. Yes, that's got to stay. 2,000 kilometers a month and some track duty. Mm-hmm. So this is a Mm -hmm. do-it-all car, but track duty is included in that list. Yeah, yeah. Here's the rub. He's got to have a sedan or a coupe, but it's got to be rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, brand new, Mm -hmm. and we're trying for naturally aspirated if we can, non-turbo.
0: Yeah, that's getting harder and harder, but but yeah. But we'll
1: see. Yeah, yeah. We'll just have to see. So interestingly, Mm -hmm. Renault is in the South African car market. Not everybody but Renault is there, mm. Ford, Chevy, to a, you know, small, you know, not very, uh, not very good cars degree, I suppose. But uh, what else? Volkswagen has plants there, Nissan. So you're limited, but you do have some choices here. And I come back to BMW. Interestingly, my recent trip to Munich here last week, I had the opportunity to go by BMW World, which is across the street from the museum and the factory. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. It's like the world's best BMW dealership. Their motorcycles, you know, all the swag, you know, Rolls Royce is in there, all this stuff. The thing I come away with, though, is BMW doesn't do luxury as well as a lot of other car companies do. And I say that as a fan of BMW. They're hmm. Hmm. just, you know, I look inside the 760 and it's the same general layout on the instrument panel as far as buttons and controls and I think well that just kind of looks like a gussied up 2 series or something like that it just mm. it's not different okay. enough it's covered in white leather but i can see the they're trying too hard they're not giving the luxurious cars enough personality and so i think all right that's okay because the sport part of it they do so well yeah,
0: so i yeah. come
1: to bmw from this all right it's not the most luxurious car in the world but that's kind of what you're looking for. That's a good spot to be in. So I think BMW 340i or a diesel 330. Hmm. I mean, you could track that. Let's you know. Yeah. Let's look yeah. at Audi and Peugeot. They've both competed at Le Mans with diesels. So racing a diesel sure. is not completely weird and out of the question. But my <laughs> the car I'm landing on <laughs> is the M235i. Because you mentioned the M2 – I come to that mm-hmm. car for its all-around entertainment, and such, such a great car. I mean, the yeah. GTS M2 piece is dropping this week, but we're talking a lot about the 86 that you have now and wanting to go to have that feel and go to what's mm-hmm.
0: next. Agreed, agreed.
1: It's got to be European, yeah. and the American cars don't do it like BMW can. They just. They don't. Yeah. They can't.
0: Well, and, and, and he doesn't have the American options. I mean, as much as you're getting on the configurator and you're actually configuring your, your Hellcat that you can't buy. <laughs> I love that. These cars are out they're <laughs> off they're off the list. So if those are off the list, I mean and, and plus the fact look, you, you've already brought up the BMW M two. So of course you've you've identified one of the cars that could be an option for you. I love that you went just under it for the M two thirty five I. I actually had that thought as well. I think that is a really good one. Keep going. OK, so we talked
1: about Renault, the Megane Coupe GT. That's interesting. But now we're getting into a different, a different configuration. And
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think
1: it's getting away from your original recipe. That's why I'm leaning on the BMWs as my top choices yeah. for
0: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this mm-hmm. car
1: is interesting because you could do all these things, even though it's front wheel drive. You can do all these things and still have a different feel because I, we can't get over that Megane. It's, it's really quite good. And if I'm going there, if I'm going there, I've got to go over to the Ford Focus RS because this is well within your price range, and I'm thinking, hmm, could you like it? Could you? I suppose Mm -hmm. you know if you had a chance to drive both these cars, that might change your mind. Um, But I I do get the point. You know, rear wheel drive, manual transmission. It's got to be, you know, it's such a traditional recipe, but that recipe is so good. Why change it? So I I know what you're saying, and again, that's mm. why I'm leaning on these BMWs—the three series, the two series, even with the diesel. You know, for the um, for the amount of mileage you're going to be doing, that might yeah. actually be yeah, really yeah. helpful for you. But you could still race it. You could still track it. You could still you know really push it hard. Mm-hmm. None of these are naturally aspirated,
0: which is the big problem. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's. But it's just getting harder and harder. Yeah, I totally get that.
1: It just is. I mean. Worldwide, we're seeing everybody's going to the turbo. You can extract so much more out of a turbocharged engine. Going smaller mm-hmm. displacement, theoretically better gas mileage. Even though, when Todd and I get done driving it, we're going, man. I thought the manufacturer said this was supposed to sip gas, but well, apparently not. And then we realized I, I hate. How hard I, I hate
0: to say it like this. I hate to say it like this. But you know what the little turbos do? They do a everybody knows it's happening bait and switch like the Volkswagen scandal did in secret. The point being, if you take a little tiny two liter turbo that creates great horsepower and you drive it on the miles per gallon cycle in sixth gear at 65 miles an hour, guess what? It's a tiny little two liter turbo and it's not on boost yet. So guess what? The mileage is great. And everybody testing knows that that's not reality. And then you and I, or anybody takes it out and hoons it and it drinks gas like a V8 or above. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: You know, I mean, just it makes me laugh, but... Yeah, the the difficulty I feel like here, Hiano, is um, you want something like an upgrade from the 86. Okay, cool. So you're talking traditional setup, as Paul said. Uh, we're talking rear-wheel drive, front-engine, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, a traditionally balanced car, and that 86 is great. Then you also want 2 plus 2. So, for example, for your budget, you could get into a Boxster or a Cayman, but it doesn't work.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: It's, a, a, right, and you're getting into the base version of those as well so the M2 is hard um, so I actually, I, I ran through a few of them I mean, you, you've brought up the M2, I think the M2 is good I love Paul's M235i recommendation, I think that's good of course, you, now I think it's the 240i, same difference, go get that car uh, that would be a good one I actually thought up, I'm gonna. the only place I'm going to not go for seats because I think you should take a serious look at it you can get it well within your budget and it is an upgrade from your 86 as far as feel is concerned The Nissan 370Z, my friend, Hmm. well within your budget, Hmm. brand new. The question I have for you, and you haven't clarified, why four seats? Why must you have four seats? Because the way this gets described, I'm not sure exactly why you're leaning that way. I mean, that's obviously what you've had prior. But let's be honest, those GT86 rear seats are not big. I mean, my my son can fit in it if my wife doesn't sit in front of him. I mean, that's kind of where we are, and he's seven. So, you know, uh, there's a part of me that goes, could you get by without it? And the 370Z is a great affordable step-up. If you step up into the Porsche's Obviously, you know, that's nice if you can afford it, but how far up the food chain can you go before you're out of your budget? Probably not far. 370Z is a definite upgrade from where you are at the moment. I think you would thoroughly enjoy that car if you can get by with the seats. Paul mentioned the RS. I have to mention the Evo, but the problem is we are in a very different feel now. Those cars just dynamically are very different than your GT86. So oh, you yeah. have left yeah. that world. Certainly so i landed on kind of an odd mm-hmm. place thinking about uh thinking about a lot of these requirements and i i feel like i'm trading problems you know i feel like the 370z i love except well there's not enough seats the evo and RS i really like but it's a different dynamic the once we leave the BMw this gets difficult yeah it i does. thought of one other I one the, the problem the problem here with the other one i'm going to bring up which i really like for a lot of reasons is you can't get it in a manual and that's the Lexus RC. You can get the but 350 no F Sport. Yeah. You can get the 350 F Sport in South Africa. I've got it pulled up right here. You can get it. It's in your budget. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy that car on all of your kind of normal driving, that 2000 kilometers per month. You'd thoroughly enjoy that car. I love the interior on that car. It's, it's a very fun car to drive. You could take it to the track. It's not going to be as light on its feet and agile as your 86. It also isn't going to be as good as the M235i or the M2. It's not, but it's not far behind. So I think you would thoroughly enjoy that car in all those situations, but now you've lost manual transmission. So I feel like I'm looking at all of your lists, and I keep having to ignore one thing to get you a car. So these are the ones that strike me. Of course, the BMW checks the boxes, but uh, these are the ones that strike me. Hopefully something in there is registering with you.
1: Strange, weird question for you, Yarno. I mean, this is out there. It's a super-duper wild card. But after okay. Todd was talking about Nissan, the GTR popped up. And I'm not thinking new, mm. and I know you're wanting a new car, and it doesn't fit yeah, for many reasons. Too. It's not naturally aspirated, not manual transmission, it's all wheel drive. <laughs> but that's a comfortable, high speed, long distance cruiser. That thing will eat miles. And it could. could you it could. Yeah. Would you be open if you can find a well maintained, used example of that car? Of course you can track it. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, high. Yes. But yes. Uh,
1: I'm just wondering, I feel like they're going to be reliable long term. You're going to have to put maintenance into them, but the way those cars are built with the care and the attention to detail, I mean, here I am recommending a GTR, but it's a different scenario here. I feel like they're really comfortable just hanging out in comfort, not in sport mode, just mm-hmm. they're comfortable high speed long hmm. distance. And yes, track is on the list of that car. So I'm just wondering, it's a super duper crazy idea, but I'm just, yeah. If you've not driven one, it's, a, it's an interesting benchmark to have in your hip pocket to think, huh. So that's what the GTR drives like. I love it, I hate it, whatever. But then every sure. other car you sure. drive is sort of like, huh, look what they've done for that price point. It's heavy and it shouldn't do the things it does, but wow!
0: <laughs> it's, you know, it's defying all logic. But wow, that was crazy fast. Yeah, I see that. Yeah,
1: it was. It that. was a wow. I hated it or a wow. You know, I didn't expect that feeling out of it, but that's my crazy out there.
0: Otherwise, I hmm.
1: come back to BMWs. So that's yeah.
0: I, well, the BMW. I'm not surprised that he started there because I mean, those are the, really the things that check all the boxes you're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, we're trying to find you options. I feel like, as I said already, the options. We we make an exception on a lot of the rules as we go through the options because yeah. you want that GT eighty six feel and manual I mean, all the things we talked about. It it does get difficult. Hopefully, something in there you can weed through the wall of words and find yourself something helpful. We'd love to hear what's going on. Obviously, you're dealing in a different market than we are, but hopefully, we've uh, given you some direction.
1: Before we jump into Facebook questions, please remember to rate and review the podcast. That would really yeah. help us out. I know you guys are continually doing so. But just a reminder, yeah. just want to put that bug in your ear to continually put that down for rating and reviewing. Let us know what you think. And do keep the car debates coming. Like I said at the top of the podcast, mm-hmm. we could do one every day. I have come yeah. to that realization. Yes. I mean, well, <laughs> it'd be cool, actually. And I still don't think we'd get to all of you, even though I'd love to. I'm laughing as I'm scrolling through emails going, I'd love to talk about that and – you got, mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. should meet this person down here in the email chain because you guys would hit it off and talk <laughs> cars and
0: whatever. And We've found we're now a friend finder in addition to everything <laughs> yeah, else. Right, you two are the same talent. It ought to meet. It gets it gets nuts. It really does.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny. So rate and review, and uh, good reminder for that. But we will move to Facebook questions, and I'm curious to know what you chose. I put the question back out there since we did not have questions last week. We pulled mm-hmm. from the prior list from the prior week. But there's some yeah, good yeah. ones on here.
0: Let's there see. are some good ones. There are some good ones. I wanted to speak to, uh, to, to Devin real quick. Uh, Devin, I, I, I read this with kind of a sarcastic air. I think you're writing to us with kind of a sarcastic air here. But you're responding to, and a few people have actually, you're responding to the discussion that Paul and I got into one of the last podcasts about the, uh, the Corvette and should it go mid-engine. And our, our sum up, our headline was, yes, in order to become more, uh, more exotic in feel. In perception. And and you, you're writing to us here and you're saying, wait a minute, we're talking about the C7 as if it's inferior. And you're talking about it in relation to how close it got to the, the Ford GT at Le Mans. I, I, I want to stop for a second and go, wait a minute, hang on. Nothing in our discussion says that we don't like the C7 Corvette. We think the performance of it's astounding. There's, there's really nothing Absolutely. to take away from it in what it is capable of. The Corvette's problem right now is one of perception, not reality. And the only way for it to step kind of beyond its perception, I believe, truly, is going mid-engine, which is sad because the current C7 Corvette on any performance measure, any value for money measure, it, take it from any angle, it's a fantastic car. So we're not actually uh, throwing any stones at it other than just its kind of general perception is not great. You know, I was actually thinking about this another way, Paul. The, the, I feel like the general public picks up a perception of a vehicle, and it lingers, and it's really hard to shake. I think about what happened with Audis with their sudden acceleration thing that was actually not even real from right. the 90s. that's true. And that hung that's on true. for like a decade. And now we've got, you know, the dieselgate thing with Volkswagen, and I, I bet you money – Five years from now, we'll be having discussions with people that are not really car people talking about, should I get a gas-powered GTI because of Dieselgate? Right? Well, first off, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Right. But yeah, I mean, th- th- those perceptions are hard, and the and the Corvette struggles underneath a perception that it is not a good performance car in the same way the Miata does. But being a mid-engine car is going to get some notice. Do they need to do that? Uh, That's debatable. But I think that's the way to get it away from the Camaro. So I want to touch on that again.
1: No, I'm glad you did. And, Devin, I think what you're hearing us – you're hearing us laugh at the the astonishment of you bought that car and you're – yeah, the perception. You're driving it slowly. Don't you Mm -hmm. understand what you have for the – for as little as that car costs comparatively to other high performance cars, and you're driving it like it's an accord, what on yeah. earth are you doing? That's what we're marveling marveling at. And the astonishment of how come you're not just driving the wheels off that thing and tracking it? It's an astounding performance car. We agree. The C six Lama car was amazing and the C seven has continued that.
0: True. It's true, a true, phenomenal
1: yeah. world beating it's always the vets. Everybody's always looking over at the Corvettes as the benchmark of, holy cow, here come the vets. They mm-hmm. are nearly unbeatable. You have to go very high and get very lucky and to, to beat those cars on track. So, yes, we agree with you. It's just more of the astonishment of,
0: really? Well, on the other end of the spectrum, when people have money to buy a genuine performance car and they're in the budget world of the Corvette, unless you're a Corvette guy – the Corvette rarely comes up, which is sad. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the other part of the equation.
1: Yeah, Nate also wrote to us, and I've been meaning to get back to you, Nate, about uh, this Corvette issue. And Mm -hmm. we can Mm -hmm. talk more, but he is talking about the lineage and history of the Corvette being unassailable like the 911. But I will debate you in this category because since Generation 4 of the Corvette – Since the '80s, it has been talked about and mused about. Huh, I wonder what the Corvette would be like as a mid-engine car. It's been almost every generation. People have been having this discussion of, huh, wonder if the next gen is going to be mid-engine. Okay, they didn't. We're back to normal. You know, it's the same Corvette, same package, and then every generation they do that with the '911. Nobody's ever said. I wonder if we put the engine in the front, if it would make it a better car. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. ever, nobody's said ever that legitimately in 50 had that years. conversation.
0: You're right. But You're with right.
1: the Corvette, as deep and long and and you know well respected as that history is, people have always said, "Huh, mid engine Corvette. That's kind of interesting." Mm-hmm. And they've entertained yeah. that thought, but nobody's acted on it. And so we can yeah. continue this discussion. I relish. Well. I relish this, and it's name- good. But yes. Nate
0: we, wrote we, a great kind of response. email. That's the thing. That discussion about Corvettes, it brought it out in people, which is really cool. We got into a yeah. lot of cool discussions. Yeah, yeah. And Nate Nate kind of called you out specifically to kind of fill the audience. And he, he, he called you out specifically and said, you were talking about how, where do they go from here styling-wise? Right. Because, right. you know, how do they refine the Corvette further and make it interesting styling-wise? Because isn't it kind of the same old thing? And he was like, wait a minute, Paul. You love the 911, and all it is is an evolution. And I agree with you, Nate, on your attempt to kind of slap it however, I will also say this to you: nothing else is the shape of the nine eleven. Whereas True. The, True. the Corvette gets into the problem of it's the shape of a lot of things. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of front engine, long, long hood. I mean, you talk about the, the Ferraris that it looks like and other things like this. There are cars in that world. So the 911 kind of hangs out. Let's be honest. They put the engine in the wrong place in the beginning. And so once they killed the original Beetle, it's the only car that looks that way. So they can refine it <laughs> indefinitely. And I can make fun of it, too, which is nice. So, uh, yeah, that works out.
1: No, that's that was great, Nate. Thanks for writing. Keep keep it up. Uh, we we can continue this discussion, and it's unfair for us to be one sided talking at you on the podcast. I realize that, but it was good. Well, but because he's going to it, write it us back. This, it's fine. It's all good. I, I can hear the keys going right now. Uh, <laughs> exactly, it's great. But uh, but yeah, you're right. I always love talking about styling and how that relates to the packaging of the car, and mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just I love having those discussions. So that's what we're here to yeah. do. And and yeah, uh, Devin's point was valid too as well. So. Um, Pretty cool. Uh, I I did want to touch on, very briefly, a question about Porsche since we went there and <laughs> I just I couldn't let We're this gonna one go. we to talk
0: Porsche? I'm shocked. Okay, keep going.
1: I couldn't let this one go. It was from Brian Shea and he asks, why is there no Porsche simply called the 911? What is the history and significance of the Carrera badging? I'll just Mm, touch on it mm. briefly because we actually didn't in the 50 years of the 911 film. We didn't go too deep in the history and the lineage and that kind of stuff. It was more about the cars presented to us. But the Carrera Mm -hmm. name, it's my understanding, was that hugely dangerous race, the Carrera Panamericana in Mexico, which was five years in the 50s, I think. And Porsche did pretty well. They weren't. Overall, you know, winning all the time, but in the small car category, they won with the 356 and then brought the name Carrera as an homage to that race because their cars did so well. They were so versatile and, you know, such a winning car. They've proved that over the years. So, yes, all 993s, and I mean, they're all Carreras, but they're all 911s too. It's one of the only cars that gets away with the manufacturer number. The fact that the 911 body shape, to Nate's point, it's unchanged, even though it's grown yeah. and you know become inflated over the years, and then they're all Carreras too, just by virtue of this homage to to that race, the very dangerous race, and they they actually stopped well, but, it because people were dying. I mean, they just went, "Yes, okay, we're yes. done." No more. <laughs> there's
0: enough of that, yes. Well, but, you know, actually, we did touch on some of this in the film, and that is this. Here's the other thing about that 911 designation. It is very weird in car world that this car lingers on under its numeric designation. I'll, I'll go geeky with you for a second. The BMW 3 Series. Mm-hmm. Well, which generation? Right. Are you talking the E46? Are you talking the E90? Which Which one are you talking about? There's a, there's yeah, a number designation behind series? the 3 Series. So if you think about it in those terms the 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 Porsche Carrera is the model just like the 3 series is the BMW model it's the Porsche Carrera it gets called the 911 because when they first introduced it they called it the 901 when they first introduced it they called it the 901 and Peugeot went <coughs> uh, excuse us but uh, we have <laughs> tap, all the tap. 01 designations Pardon. so you can't do that so they went <laughs> exactly so they went yeah I couldn't do a french accent so I stopped but so so they, so uh, Porsche went okay we'll do 911 and they released the first one as the 911 and what's interesting is after that it never actually is the internal designation of the 911 again right. it's not the 911 anymore right. you know the current one is the 991 the one before that you know keep going back and it's actually not numerical order just to confuse you further we talk about the 996s the 997s 993s so the number designation's been all over the map But yet, for some reason, that number designation has stuck on that car. It is unique in that world. It's the 911. Well, it's not, really. But Carrera is actually more correct as far as talking about the blanket across all the cars.
1: (laughs) And now for even more (laughs) (laughs) minutiae.
0: I don't know. I I didn't think I had anything to say on that. But then you got into number designation, and I went, wait a minute. But yeah. Yeah. Tim wrote to us. Tim Doherty wrote to us. He has a WRX, and uh, he said, "Look, he knows it's a standard recommendation. He has one. He's tuned. He loves it. Doesn't sound like that car's going anywhere, or has has for a while. He is in sheer love with it." He says, "Okay, if you want something totally new, and you're a WRX owner, what do you recommend?" And then he throws a little extra, a little hand grenade in there. Goes, "Oh, by the way, I have a Mustang GT already. So all of my recommendations for get yourself a rear wheel drive car. It's very different." Well, you're doing that. You've got a a 2015 Mustang GT, so you're doing the uh, powerful rear-wheel drive car as a comparison. So I actually say this to you. Get an Evo. You you, You talk about loving the handling of your WRX and love how agile it is. I say to you, sir, get an Evo. You want a new thing in a different world. It's a Pepsi and Coke thing. You probably have never even looked at the Evo because you like the WRX. That is a very different feel. Under power and in handling. If you really want something different, I say go there.
1: Really? I'm thinking that's more of the same thing, just
0: different manufacturer. Well, but it's but it but they have a different feel though. I mean, they he, do. He's saying I have a rear-wheel drive car. Okay, so I mean, I could I could say get a GT86. I I could say get an FRS all day long, of course. But you're already kind of in that world with your Mustang. He's looking for so surprise me, give me something different, and I think that's what's intriguing about the Evo in this scenario. Is it seems like the same animal, but I guarantee it's not going to drive the same. It's that's the what I find so fascinating. It's the same
1: recipe, but it tastes different. Exactly, it's going to be exactly a different right. Feel it's the same. I mean, it's like wine. We all use mm-hmm. grapes and yeast and time. How come there's good wine <laughs> and how come there's bad wine? And why
0: is yeah, The good point. wine so
1: expensive? What's the difference? We're all using the same stuff here, right? Time and. Mountains
0: yeah. and earth and soil and I'm trying so hard to follow you on a wine scenario al- but, analogy, but, but it makes but sense, I, but right? Following you. It's, it's yeah, ingredients. I, but I see where you're going. Why is there going? Cheap, but that's the thing.
1: Terrible wine. He's
0: talking about. He's talking about. He loves the WRX and what it is, and I'm just going. All right, if you're in that world, I'm going to throw you at something that you aren't probably aren't considering, but you love that world, so try it.
1: I was going to say go European because we're constantly throwing up the Asian manufactured cars against the European and that is a dramatically different sure. feel. So yes, I would have thought something true. european in that arena, you know, nothing specific. I could say GTI or Golf R, but Golf nothing, R, yeah. You know, something in the european for just a different feel and to feel where they put their money and where the european manufacturers put their importance on. Whereas a WRX, mm-hmm. it's in the drivetrain and it's a snarly little engine and they kind of didn't pay much attention to the interior. So in a European car then what matters to those manufacturers mm, and what matters sure, to those buyers sure, sure, yeah. that's completely different or you could just get a Mercedes Unimog because that's totally different.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for totally just totally <laughs> different, we could just start pulling cars out of a hat and going, "Have you driven this yet?" Honda Cross Tour, my friend, perfect. <laughs> right there, not you for go, Tim. Honda different. Cross Tour, and after that, a PT Cruiser. Oh and no! Oh, it's just. Oh, no, but, no, no, hey, no. if if the answer really is just different, different, <laughs> not, good doesn't even matter. It's just different. Then, hey, great. <laughs> Right. We could go nuts. We won't end up anywhere good, Tim, but we could go really, really nuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Carrie Turner asks us about our realistically att- obtainable car ownership goals in our lives. And um, mm-hmm. Todd, <laughs> before we started yeah. the podcast, Todd just said to me, he's like, just wait for Thursday when the video comes out. Because, you know, came to yeah, GTS and M2. Fair. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's up there. But there are a few others, realistically and obtainable. It's sort of, ew, that is that is a slippery fish to hang on to right there because...
0: It is. It how is. do you...
1: I don't know really how to define that. I mean, I'm driving a Cayman GTS, and I'm marveling at this car. Today, I was driving it going... What a phenomenal car! I, (laughs) I hit ridiculous speeds on an open road, and there were no cops.
0: And I just newsflash, Paul likes his Porsche. (laughs) I know there are many of you out there shocked by this news, but newsflash, he likes his Porsche. And also another newsflash, it is a great car. Yes, (laughs) it
1: does the speed thing so well. It just does the speed thing.
0: It does. It it, does. Lord. It anyway. shocks you. It shocks you with how fast it is. I do agree with that, and and that's the thing, Kerry. I mean, you know, you're talking about we're we're reaching that place. I mean, Paul's there, certainly there with the GTS. We're reaching that place where we're almost attaining or are attaining cars that kind of surprise us. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I didn't expect to have an FRS this early, uh, but I will be honest. I. Lotus is on my absolute short list. I, I really oh, yeah. want to own a Lotus. I really do, and you know I would love to have the the fully loaded uh, late model Elise supercharged from the factory. I would like that. But to be honest with you, when I think of, of attainable goals, I think of at some point I will have a car that probably cost me forty five to fifty grand. Now I haven't done that yet, but at some point I will. And in that world, I really am intrigued by the Evora.
1: I just, oh, I, yeah. I, as
0: much as I love the Elise, I would love to have, in fact, once they come down a little further, when the 400 comes out, this will happen, the Avora S with a manual. That would be, I just love to have that car. Every time I've driven an Avora, I love it. That is on my personal, I can't wait, really hope to have one car. We'll see if it happens, but that that's definitely one for me.
1: I was thinking the other day, uh, the Lotus 311, that track-specific car and an Audi sure. R8 for the garage for winter. 'Cause it's still mm-hmm. got that feel, but it's the all-wheel drive and the yeah. mid engine feel and all that stuff. I could I could kind of see R eight for you, maybe. I know it's Lotus, but well, once those R eights yeah, come I, into the 50-60 range, once
0: they, what they drop about far that? enough, they're they're very intriguing. I mean that original four point two liter V eight uh, R eight with the the actual gated metal shifter. Yeah. That was that's a really intriguing car. And I'm I'm such a sucker for the mid engine platform. I just I love that platform. Um, You know, I mean, I have to say, there's a part of me that sniffs very seriously around the M2s and the 1Ms and the BMW lineup and looks at the GT350 Mustang and goes, wouldn't it be cool? Even the C7 Corvette, these are all cars in this price range that I'm genuinely intrigued by and go, could I, should I? Mm -hmm. I, That's the thing. But that mid-engine configuration, every time I get in a mid-engine car, it just feels right to me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm very intrigued to have one.
1: I'm just wondering about the thought of more cars rather than one that cost a bunch, and you know, spreading that out like a Focus RS. That thing is intriguing me with winter tires on that car and snowbanks <laughs> and snowdrifts.
0: You. You just cool. really, really want an open parking lot covered in fresh snow, drift mode turned on, Dude. and a huge cackle that's the video that, that would it be actually awesome. has no has no other dialogue. it's just Paul <laughs> yeah. has a big cackle of laughter at the beginning, and the next ten minutes is just rooster tails of snow in drift mode. There you go. We should make that video. people would watch it. <laughs> it would be awesome. maniacal laughter,
1: focus our ass yes. with winter tires I'm thinking you know just cars for.
0: Like, different moods.
1: I know that sounds really snotty, but <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> you know, like. If you have the garage space, why not? I mean, seriously, I, I'm, you and I've joked about it, but I'm incredibly intrigued by the fact that the Fiesta STs are dropping like stones. Yeah, and you can get them into the low low mid teens. What a fantastic little runabout car! Because you can do all the runabout things in it, and yet it's crazy fun to drive. Yeah, I love the the totally. usability of that that animal. I mean, I we very much. There was somebody actually uh, recently on the Focus RS piece that talked about how they didn't understand how a show called Everyday Driver. I, I have to beat this for a second. Why a show called <laughs> Everyday Driver didn't pick the car that was the nicest to be in? And I just I. When we do our our FAQ video for this year, I think we need to kind of answer this question anew because it does come up a lot. You know, our everyday driver uh, name for the show is not about what's the most usable, comfortable car because, frankly, I'm not going to put you in a lot of the cars we recommend here. We want you to have a car you love to drive that does all the other stuff. That car you love to drive, you're driving that every single day. That's where the name comes from. So, you know, I just, at, at the end of all of it, I'm always obsessed with a car that does whatever you need. That's why I love that cheap Fiesta ST idea. L- look, the Honda Fit and the Fiesta ST are roughly the same size. The Honda Fit has more cubbies and it's not a bad car to drive. The Fiesta ST is more fun. Oh, yeah. If you said to me, oh, same yeah. price, which one? Fiesta ST, dumb oh, all day long. You know, it's just because it is more fun. And I, I love that you're getting we're getting in a place now. It's such a great time to be a car guy because whatever your budget is, we can find you something. That is pure fun, and that's really awesome. Carrie, unrealistically, just ever so slightly,
1: I've been really drooling over the McLaren 570 GT lately. Ugh. I am just over the moon about that thing. I love the styling, I love what it's aimed at. Yeah. I love,
0: I'm the McLarens really are the business that, that we're they, they are. They're awesome, but they yeah, are. we're not into it. But I was like, hmm, house payment or car payment? Yeah, (laughs) let's see. 180
1: grand plus. I think the GTs are in the 225 ish, somewhere in there. So, not realistic. I I think a GT3 for me, you kind of, I hate to be a foregone conclusion, but the 911 GT3 is pretty awesome. So, I'm Mm, going GT3. Really. But I can't complain. See, I can't say, man, I'm shooting for the moon, and then ignore what's in my garage. I can't do that. So yeah.
0: I really wish I could have it. Wait, I already do. Yeah, I already I mean,
1: do. I mean, I can't. Yeah. It's going to be cool you know?
0: to share that video on Thursday. The, yeah. the M2 GTS is a surprising comparo. And uh, you know, you getting your GTS used put it into a price point not that far away from the M2 new. Right. So it becomes right. a lot more interesting conversation, and I'm just excited. It's a, it's a cool piece that definitely will drop this week. If somebody, <clears throat> yeah, named Todd, would finish <laughs> editing it, we'll we'll have that piece out on Thursday.
1: Holy moly. What else? Anything else strike you?
0: No, actually, what just struck me is the fact I ought to go edit. That's actually just this second struck me of, wow, okay, there's editing to do. Okay. Uh, yeah.
1: All right, all good. <laughs> we'll wrap things up for here. Thank you all. Like I said, please keep the debates coming because they're – They're not just, I'm not just saying they're entertaining reads, but the the variety of stuff. And we
0: Mm -hmm, ought to consider mm
1: -hmm. a podcast a day. I mean, how happy would the commuters be? Really? They just, one per day, that would just tear We would would do nothing
0: else. We would do nothing else. (laughs) The the, the problem is the fact that you and I are finding the time to pull that off. But uh, who knows what the future holds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the future next week is driving in Germany. We all wish Mm -hmm. you could be there with us, but we will be podcasting from there. And uh, this Thursday we've got another podcast coming, so that'll be the final one before we go. And then uh, what else? Yeah, thank you guys. This is uh, this is huge. So keep it coming. Keep the ratings and reviews coming, and we'll leave it there. So thank you guys. Cheers.